Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and you know, uh, cornflakes were invented to prevent masturbation. It didn't work. My name's Stephanie, and never trust a man, even when he looks flat down there. My name's Justin, and I can promise you two things. One, I'll always look this good, and two, I'll never give up on you. Oh, buddy, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love how the beautiful quote was from Hellboy and the ones about penises were from The Shape of Water. <laughs> that's That, that kind of seems fitting for what we're talking about this evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, spoiler alert. So this evening we are talking about um, the next uh, next up in our director month. And uh, we're is... discussing uh, two films from the director of Blade 2. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I haven't seen the Blade movies. I don't really know anything about them. I, I guess I should watch them at some point. They're awesome kickboxing vampire movies. <laughs> I mean, sure. they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not sure. wrong. <laughs> I mean, they, they seem like the kind of movie I would enjoy to some extent. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, right, I mean, I'm a person who gets enjoyment from the first Ghost Rider movie, so. It, honestly, me too. Yeah, there's... I don't know what we would ever pair that with, but that sure I'll would find be a, way. a fun episode. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> we would do an actor month and Nicolas Cage can be one of them. Yes! Um, <laughs> oh! Ooh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so, so Guillermo del Toro, um, I, just as like a baseline, like what are, do we, have we seen many Guillermo del Toro films? Uh, I have seen these two, Blade Two, Mama, and Pan's Labyrinth. And I think that's it? Oh. Okay. Uh, and Pacific Rim. Yes, and Pacific Rim. So that's a fair few. Um, I, oh gosh. I See, the thing about Guillermo del Toro is he has had his hand in so many pies. Like, he doesn't just direct. He also, like, writes and produces and does whatever else. So, like, I was looking at his IMDb list, but I only really got time to look at director and I think writer. And I know he's produced a bunch of stuff, too. Um, so, gosh, I've seen these two, I've seen Hellboy 2 one time, like, forever ago, Pan's Labyrinth, Crimson Peak, um, I want to say he was a producer or something on The Orphanage, but I'm not 100% sure, I really like that movie, though, I'd love to talk about it at some point, um, oh, gosh, what else, I don't remember what else I said, Pacific Rim, obviously, um, yeah, a lot of stuff, uh, I know he was involved with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I still haven't seen that, actually. I want to see that at some point. What about you, Caleb? Caleb doesn't really watch scary stuff, so he hasn't seen that many good <laughs> I've seen these two in Pacific Rim, and that's it. Yeah. Um, um, I forgot to say, I've also yeah. seen the Hellboy sequel. And I played P.T., the playable teaser for what was supposed to be a Silent Hills reboot by Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima. Fuck you, Konami. I'm still not over it. Oh, that was a thing? <laughs> it was going to be Aww. beautiful. I would love to see Guillermo del Toro's Silent can, Hill. You can buy... Pe- people sell PlayStation 4 consoles with that demo still on it. The, like, 
they disconnected from the internet so it couldn't get removed and you can buy it for like oh wow not cheap <laughs> that's i that's I how badly people want happen. it that's i mean Guillermo del toro seems like a great person to do a silent hill adaptation because he can really capture that dark and scary shit and like creature design but also kind of that like really really sad emotional core of it <laughs> which i feel like you also need for silent hill not that i'm really that well acquainted with the franchise but anyway enough about silent hill um so so yeah so today we we picked well we picked these movies partially because we like them and partially for caleb's benefit because we don't want to make him watch and any partially a third thing well, give me a second. I was just going to say, we didn't want to make him watch some of the more horror-adjacent stuff that Guillermo del Toro has done, which there is a lot of, and we thought might be a bit much for Caleb. What, what was the third thing, my love? Go ahead. Da, 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 da. I, I'm the, I think I'm the one who uh, finagled some sort of connection between these two. They're both about the the the, the, the mo- monster, monster m- man. Yeah. Not monster fucking, no. Monster not, loving. Not for... <laughs> monster romancing. <laughs> Yes. They're all intertwined here. The monster as man. Yes. Um, uh, (laughs) We've talked about this one before, haven't we? One of my favorites. Um, Yeah, um, that is definitely a theme in Shape of Water. I would say it's kind of a theme in Hellboy. It wants to be a theme in Hellboy. Yes, it wants to be a theme in Hellboy. We're we're going to talk about that a little bit. Sorry, I just knocked something over. (laughs) I got so so animated about how I don't know how to feel about Hellboy. Um, (laughs) So let's just dive right into Hellboy. Yeah, let's talk about Hellboy. Oh, another connection Mm -hmm. they have, the obvious one. They both Mm -hmm. have very cool fish boys. (laughs) They do. Wonderful little fish men. I love them. Both uh, acted by Doug Jones. Also, wow, what a career that man has had. I'm and very of jealous. Of course, Abe is voiced uncredited by my man David Hyde Pierce. It's so wild oh, that he's uncredited. I, I don't know that, that didn't is. know that. That's awesome. I mean, he, yeah, he Come on, Justin. You didn't recognize his voice? I mean, it, you didn't hear that svelte. Kind of British. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so Hellboy. Um, was this any of our first time seeing it? No. no, we've all seen it. Of course, yeah. Um, I had seen it one other time. I think I watched it with Caleb. This is only my second ago. time seeing it. Yeah, mine too. Um, and I guess, Justin, you've probably seen it a few times because you're like a fan. Uh, yes, fourth for me. Because you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it for the first time until a year or two ago. Yeah, oh. me too. I, I actually saw the sequel before I saw this original one. Because I think it came on TV one time, and I was like, ooh, an evil, sexy elf man. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> and I did, and I really don't remember that much about it, to be honest. This was like... Was he uh, played by Lee Pace? <laughs> Sadly, no, I don't think he was. That would have been really great, though. Um, uh, not that that hasn't already happened. Anyway, I digress. Um, but that was like a decade ago. I don't remember that much about it, except that I, I don't know. I, I like the creature design, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... So, uh, the Hellboy is a confusing movie in a lot of ways. And, and yes. I mean to say in more ways than one. It's a movie that very much feels like, I'm glad it wasn't a failure, but it feels like it's on the verge of something greater. Oh yeah, very It could have so. been great, but it just ends up being pretty good. It's an enjoyable watch. It it feels like it has things to say, but hasn't figured out how to say them. It it needed like another year or so of script punch up, I yeah. think. 
Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's a little bit of a mess, but there's just so much going on in it that is my thing that I forgive <laughs> its faults. I of course. This is this is a this is a love of mine. It's not a deep love. It's a very shallow love. It's a love of mine. <laughs> There's no such thing as shallow love. Only a love that 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 reaches a different part of yourself. <laughs> that was or something. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. So what this movie does, it does well. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Ron Perlman as Hellboy is fantastic. Yes. This, Always love this, Ron Perlman. This was made for him. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. his his particular line <laughs> delivery of everything, just his cool suaveness, just the. Now that I don't like, just his delivery of like in the heat of battle. Um, He's gruff but charming. It's great. It's um, lines that would be cringy out of almost any yes. other actor's mouth are so badass. Yeah. Rod Perlman achieves it through size of his chin alone. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. It just works for him. Um, yeah, I I honestly think the cast is pretty good. Like. They're, with they're one notable exception. Yeah, we're going to talk about that character. Um, John that Hurt? Character... Is, sorry. No, I wasn't going to say John Hurt. I was no, no, say... I know. I was... Oh, I, oh okay. When I you said you were, were going to talk about that character, I, I took I that as like, a cue to John move Hurt. I, I was shocked no, for John a second. Hurt is great. I was like, first yeah, off, how like, dare you? <laughs> no, no, I thought we were just moving on. I'm no, sorry. No, I see, I see what you mean, yeah. Yes. No, uh, John Hurt's great. Um, I like his character. I just feel like not enough was done with his character. No. Um, or or, or it, not even that he didn't have enough screen time, more just that I don't feel like he had enough time with the other characters that weren't like the other characters that mattered to the story it didn't feel like he got enough time with them like with Hellboy I feel like he needed more screen time with him like Mm -hmm. obviously they have this like very important like father-son relationship and I don't know it just feels like that should have been so much more present once again it comes back to like kind of how the movie wants to have these themes going on but doesn't quite know how to get there it seems like because it's like they want to have this whole, I don't uh, but now I'm None getting of... into the ending and I can't get there yet. I have to wait for that, yeah. None of the themes are given enough time to develop fully. Right, there's so much, <laughs> even as I say this, I'm knowing that Justin's going to be like, that's true, but consider this <laughs> cool monster fight. So just <laughs> consider me, I'm aware, I know <laughs> With that being acknowledged, I feel like there's so much time given to just, like, fucking around random set pieces and doing some fights and stuff. And, like, which is fine. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But there's so much of that. But it's also trying to be deep on some level that it doesn't quite come together, I don't think. But that's just me. Oh, no, no, I agree I with you. Know. There are there are some like super fun uh, set pieces, but a lot of them uh, tend to go on a little longer than they should. Um, and this this story, and if, if I'm wrong about this, don't don't be mad at me. I I love the Hellboy comics, but I've only read the first couple volumes. But this seems to be kind of a hodgepodge of a few different stories, and yeah, um, I think they're strong enough. That they should have picked one, maybe even just two 
things and put them together to make the movie. It, it that's yeah. it feels so messy because they're just it's trying to do way too much and doesn't spend enough time with really the, any of it. The stuff with Selma Blair felt kind of extraneous too, mm-hmm. like and which is sad because I was very intrigued by your character. Like that's an interesting superpower to have or uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, it. it it didn't like seem like there was much reason for showing us her flashbacks or whatever. Uh, like she very much felt like a, an extremely secondary character, which she was. It's just like, if she is going to be that secondary of a character, it didn't make sense to shoehorn in all that stuff about like her personal conflict when it wasn't, it didn't really feel resolved by the end. Yeah, Like it almost to me would have made more sense if she was just like a regular human and they felt so to, they could find a good way to make her be part of the plot. Like, why not just merge her character and the FBI guy's character? And like, I don't know. But now I'm now I'm just rewriting the movie. I just felt like, while I really liked her character, I was almost more annoyed by her subplot because I liked her character. I was just like, oh, well, I don't. I just don't feel like it got really mm-hmm. its due. Would we like to discuss general plot points and? I, I guess just the overall all plot of the movie and specific scenes, but like before we may, dive may, directly di- what, into what is the plot of the movie? <laughs> I don't even know what the it's plot is. It's not entirely is. clear. That's <laughs> so. one of my complaints. Actually, let me write that down right there. Right yeah, that's quick. the thing. I don't even know if I could go um, point by point. Villain I don't... <laughs> motivation. Yeah, I don't know. Unclear <laughs> slash non existent. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it, man. Okay. So. Justin can help us with this, maybe. During World War II, this is leaning, this is taking a page out of um, History Channel's book and going with the Hitler was very much into the occult. Um, Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, and um, surprise, Rasputin didn't actually die. The fuck, why the fuck um, is Rasputin And he's here, here helping the Nazis what is um, no? to open a portal to either deep space or an alternate dimension, I don't remember which. Where the seven gods of chaos live no. so that they can destroy the earth. So Why? Awesome. Why does Rasputin want this to happen? Who knows? All I would have needed was like a single line of dialogue like, I lived through the first world war or through the great war and saw what atrocities humankind was capable of. They need to be wiped off the planet. I... That's it. That's all I needed. But we don't get any of that. Why? He shows up and is like... My pretty blonde lady, don't worry, I'll be back for you. Yeah. You get a half-throwaway line in, in the final act uh, where he says something to the effect of, I've lived a long time, I've seen what this world is capable of, trust me, the new one will be much better. That's the that closest shouldn't you get. Be a throwaway line. <laughs> Give me the villain speech. Except the villain speech ties into a different theme that is not uh, worked upon, so I'll get to that one in a minute. Mm. Um... I'm trying to avoid diving deep into the themes here before we discuss the plot. Yeah. Um, the portal, uh, the, 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 there's a guy who is into the paranormal who was hired by the army, I guess. And so he's helping. Yeah, th- this nerd is out here on the battlefield with the army, um, helping them fight the Nazis and their warlock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're saying this. <laughs> In a condescending tone. Think about what you're saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me let me, they, let me just put in here. I feel, and I I'm gonna assume Caleb feels the same way. I don't have a problem with any of this zaniness. I just wish it was a little clearer what was going on. Oh, like I'm totally down for all this to happen. I just yeah. wish that 
we knew why it was happening. I want to make it like... very clear that I have no problem with the trappings of this movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> you tell no, me that I'm there's a boy it. from hell who fights demons and <laughs> yeah. aliens and monsters uh, and no. has a, is friends with a it. cool telepathic fish man who is like the guy in the chair. You know, yeah. I'm totally down with all of that. I'm down with it. Um, I any any condescension is purely for comedic purposes. Um, and the fact that it's a it's a wacky setup, I right? Mean, and the fact that it doesn't really gel as well as it could um, with its interesting setup. Um, so the a demon baby basically escapes <laughs> through the portal the and is adopted by man. the scientist He's man. So cute. He um, is cute. I can't believe they were gonna shoot him. He's a baby. <laughs> like. Bang, bang, bang. What is it? I thought it was an ape. Why were you shooting it? Yeah, why would you <laughs> shoot an ape? Baby <laughs> monkey, where? Yeah, let me kill it. A baby monkey what? killed my father. <laughs> um, <laughs> cut to... You know that woman that got her face torn off by a chimpanzee? That was my father. <laughs> <laughs> that woman was my father? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> cut to 2004. There's a secret government agency. Effectively the men in black, but for supernatural instead of extraterrestrial. I like um, it. The I BPRD. Like it. Um, and Hellboy and his quote-unquote father um, work for the United States government to take down supernatural They're feds. threats. They're, <laughs> yeah, feds. They're feds. They're feds. <laughs> They're cops. Um, <laughs> and... It, Rasputin. It, we find out halfway through the movie Rasputin <laughs> is back and he's trying to open up the portal again. So uh... the problem... The, does he know they made a song about the... him? Does he know? <laughs> he should know. The, the conflict does not, or the, the villain's plan does not change. Um, like, we meet a mini boss halfway through Samael, the Hound of Resurrection, mm-hmm. but it turns out he's just part of the plan to bring forth the gods of chaos. Um, and then there's also a shrimpy white guy who shows up as a completely this unnecessary man. audience standing. We have to talk he, about this man. Uh, I don't let's know talk what's about the most here. useless character in I this movie. I don't understand. Okay. Why he sh- is he here? He shows up and is like a new guy introduced to the BPRD. And after a couple scenes, he's supposed to, he's supposed to be like Hellboy's handler. Sure. And you know, like sure. make sure he doesn't run off, which like. How? What's he? Yeah, gonna good do? luck. Good luck. Um, shoot him. <laughs> he's bulletproof. Um, and so after a couple scenes, he's like, "Why am I here?" And Hellboy's father is like, "To show him how to be a good man." You're his father. You should show him that. And then him and Hellboy almost talk, almost never talk again. No, they um, don't. So that's one dropped theme. <laughs> is the whole. Show him how to be a man. Uh, Hellboy doesn't need help with that. You know who shows you how to be I... a man? Your father! <laughs> His father? Yes, but your father can't show you how to be a good man if he's killed by a Nazi cyborg but assassin. But he's an old-ass <laughs> man! He's been Just... around! <laughs> So, I, I, I use that specific combination of words just to get that giggle out of Justin. <laughs> um, well, mission accomplished. So that doesn't go anywhere. Um, except uh. at the very, very end, when Hellboy is presented with a choice that comes out of nowhere it's, and is should uh. could have been a theme throughout the rest of the movie, but isn't, and I'll discuss that in a minute. Um, Hellboy is presented with a choice, and shrimpy white guy is there... <laughs> Like, delivering lines of dialogue. He literally says, Your father told me X. All of that, that man's entire existence in that scene 
could have been fulfilled by flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yes! That I would have taken... This, I honestly would have taken a full-on Lion King remember who you yes! are. <laughs> yes, this random sense. guy that Hellboy has no connection with Wait, saying, your father connection. told me a thing... Uh, when it could have just been Hellboy having a flashback to his like father trying to teach him some important lesson about humanity, mm-hmm. um, yes. Which takes us to the other thing that wa- that is only brought up as a theme in the climax of the movie and is never addressed any other time when it really should have, um, is the fact that Hellboy is a demon. He like apparently his purpose like, from the moment he was born, was to help bring about the destruction of the world and That's the end cool. of humanity. That's a cool setup. And, but what did they do with um, it? Not much. And the whole... It's... Rasputin frames it as, like, you have a choice to make or, like, you know, uh, fulfill your purpose, your destiny. And it would have been really destiny. cool if at any other point in the movie, Hellboy had had any struggle with I know, being I know. a demon but wanting to do good for mm-hmm. humanity. <laughs> That's right? such an interesting setup. It's a, like the fucking son of hell itself who has has every reason to be evil but chooses to be good. Right. Oh, that's so good. But but uh, only mentioning that it. in the final ah! battle and has no impact if it isn't brought up previously. Okay, you know what? I'm going to pause us here, and I'm going to give Justin a chance to... Def- to yes. To, well, I, he doesn't have to rebut it. He might agree. I don't know, but I'm going to give him a You can just say something nice speak, if you want. Because I feel like he might have a different perspective. Uh, no. Listen. On this, this subject. Listen. Everything you guys uh, are saying is absolutely correct. Uh, <laughs> so when I, when I say I love this movie, I love this movie... In a way, it's like a relationship you have in college with someone who's a little messy and it's really sloppy <laughs> but really intense. And you always look back on it like, man, that's probably bad for me, but boy, did I have a great time. <laughs> it's that, no, kind, it's, it's it's not that even... kind of love. Um, also, in the source material, uh, this, it kind of, like I said, it's a hodgepodge of a few things, but it's mostly from the first series, uh, Hellboy, Seed of Destruction. Highly recommend you read it. But there's a lot of intentional vagueness to kind of keep the dark and mysterious nature of that comic. Uh, the humor and everything's still there, but um, just the the art and the way the story's laid out in the comic is very like, you don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. That's part of the fun. There's a lot of half-hearted gap-filling to make it work. Uh, in a feature film here and i think that's why nothing sticks um because they're just they're just trying to pump a two-hour runtime into this movie <laughs> yeah and look i say all of this very much enjoying this yeah, movie yeah. Like, don't get me and wrong. i did not have any of these thoughts the first time i watched it i don't think it's just watching it with the the mindset of trying to think about it and realizing that like damn this movie just needed a little bit of tweaking. It could have been perfect. Right, that's what's. So I'm still gonna. About I'm it. still gonna watch it again. Yeah, I enjoy the hell out of it. No, it's a really it's fun like, movie. It's... it's like um, watching Patrick Willems' video about Les Mis. Every t- criticism yeah. he has, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then as soon as I turn off the video and watch the movie, I'm like, man, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just it's. I guess some of it is so frustrating to me because I don't really understand why certain choices were made. 
like with Mr. Little protagonist FBI man. Like, I just don't really know what they thought they were doing with this character. Especially because they, like, have this, like, kind of extremely half-hearted thing where he's kind of hitting on Fire Girl, whose name I can't remember. Right, like, he is equal parts <laughs> trying to convince her that Hellboy cares about him. Yeah. Or cares about her, and right. also hitting on her and at the same like, time. what are you going for here? Because it's like, I mean, I'm not saying that it's unrealistic for him to do that. Obviously, like, it's Selma Blair. She's beautiful. Like, of course he's gonna... Like, of course, in real life, he would be like, oh, yeah, I'm into it. But, like, what is the purpose of it for the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Also, are you crazy enough to hit on the girl that Hellboy's into? I know. Every time, I'm like, the he audacity not of this little man. Like, crush what your is skull. going on? <laughs> like, why? I How do is love, he doing this? Again, it's a scene that probably could have been cut and doesn't really go anywhere, but I do love the scene of Hellboy and that kid chilling on the rooftop drinking milk. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's a great too. little scene. <laughs> see, and see, my main problem with little protagonist man is that he needed a scene like that with hellboy he needed like for them to kind of try to put them into the role that he's in and try to give him that big the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just <laughs> like moment at the end where he like reminds hellboy of who he is it's like i'm not against that at all i just think that they needed more of a relationship as characters mm-hmm. at, that wasn't just this guy follows her way around and, and looks concerned or surprised literally all the time. Like that is his only, his only facial expression um, that they needed more of, of a relationship because there needed to be a reason for Hellboy to fucking listen to him. Like this random dude who was yeah. just yelling stuff at him at the end. We didn't need him at all. I think we could have just replaced every single one of his scenes with Abe. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I don't think that we needed this audience insert character. I, I know that's kind of like, I get the point of that kind of character, but I don't really think we needed it because we have so many different kinds of characters within the little supernatural world. It, it feels almost like a student studio mandated yeah, character. I yeah, I don't believe Guillermo del Toro was the one with that idea because I have more faith in my mans than that. Uh, uh, Justin, you look like you're going to say something. Uh, just also the fact that he had a handler character, uh, uh, the older guy who's like over it, and him and Hellboy have much more chemistry and much more story yeah. together than little audience stand-in man. Yeah, just give me like, more of him. I would much rather have the older guy who's completely over it, but you they yeah. have a relationship right. already than yeah this weird fish out of water yeah uh, that moment with them like smoking their cigars together like that was kind of a cute little interesting moment where i was like oh like they're bonding justin were you talking about jeffrey tambor's character yes. or the guy with the hair plugs uh jeffrey tambor <laughs> i see he was talking uh, about uh, jeffrey you know, uh, there's two of them you're right yeah, see, he that's how I assumed he was talking about hair plugs guy because he's like the one guarding the vault, he knows that's Hellboy's true. peculiarities. That's, there's too many characters in this movie, there are characters that could have been one character, you know. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Um, I do love the ambiguity when um, he's first getting he's first walking shrimpy guy into the vault and he's like, he has a thing for cats, and it's unclear if he means yeah. like. He likes to eat he cats, eats them. or but it's no. He he just he's a he cat. He's a cat. crazy he's cat just, man. Yeah. Like he loves kitties. I mean, same. <laughs> I watched this movie after I watched Shape of Water, and I'm glad that oh, we no. had a nice kitty moment in this one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, fi- Shape they of both... Water fish man is not a cat man. At least not in um, that way. 
he learned to be nice. That's true. He did. Um, he did learn. He did learn. <laughs> while I'm still on a mean streak, um, <laughs> the final fight, the climax, is lame and forgettable. Um, yeah. It's just like forgettable villain shows up, delivers a speech, dies, then random tentacle monster shows up and gets men in blacked. Um, yeah. gets cockroached, you know, swallow with the bombs and and it's done. You killed a god. Congratulations. <laughs> nice. No, not a bad achievement. Um, yeah, it's the, the climactic ending scene. It, 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 we've already talked about the main problems with it. It, it. it just feels like it could have been so much more, you know, like with that great conflict that you have set up of like, oh, you know, Hellboy has to choose if he's going to be the hell or the boy. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, I mean, that's essentially, it's just, it's like, we could have done so much more. <laughs> Am I Hellboy? Am I boy? Um, the, thank you. I, I gotta say, I do love Shane today. <laughs> Just spewing them out. Uh, I do love the um, that the last shot is um, uh, who we're calling little protagonist man, I guess, being third wheeled like extremely like epically by by Hellboy and fiery Selma Blair person. Um, that he's just standing right there, and the shot's so awkward. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> they're like making out, and he's like standing. What, what's so funny is like when they when they first kiss and catch on fire, it's like yes. Beautiful kiss, yes. beautiful scene, yes. and then it's like no, it's great. It's so zoom out. It's, yeah. <laughs> it feels so funny, but like dramatic narrations happening over I him. Know. I know, I know. Uh, and it lasts for so long. I feel like my man is just me. standing there simping for like forty-five minutes. He's <laughs> like, that could have been me. <laughs> Chads these days, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's it's fucking hilarious, but, but the last shot of your movie shouldn't be fucking hilarious if you're not a comedy. Oh my god. Anyway, it's we've been mean to this movie. It, it's it's we're, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's... we have been far more mean to this movie than <laughs> I would. Uh, I don't know. I feel I should be. If I heard somebody yeah. else being this mean to this movie, I'd be like, hey, be nice to Hellboy. Be nice to Hellboy. We're gonna kick your <laughs> he came from a good home. <laughs> A good, respectable family. Uh, <laughs> it's exactly the same thing uh, I said when we talked about Army of Darkness. Anytime someone points out anything wrong with this movie, I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> but cool, right? <laughs> well, I'd definitely rather watch this movie than Army of Darkness. I can say that with, with my entire chest. The only part of Army of Darkness I ever want to see again is the scene where he's trying to get into the book. <laughs> because of the reasons we already talked about and why it makes me laugh so hard. What, what, and he's like, what was the word? The word that began with N? <laughs> I forgot about that scene. <laughs> that kills me, and I, I still don't know if it was intentional. Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, quick question. <laughs> Battle of the Chins, Bruce Campbell, Ron Perlman, oh my who do you have? <laughs> oh, man. It's <laughs> a lot of chin, man. I don't know. I don't know if I can pick a winner here. I'd have to see them side by side. Like I feel like Ron Perlman has a more cartoonish face overall. 
But it's like, Absolutely. it looks, it almost looks more pronounced on Bruce Campbell because his face isn't quite as cartoonish. You're just like, that's like kind of a regular looking guy just with a huge chin. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so he's like network TV look good looking? Sh- sh- sure, sure. I, I don't know. The Adventures I never of Frisco County it... Jr. Available at your local <laughs> discount DVD store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm never really into the huge chin thing look on dudes. Like, it. I mean, it's fine. It's just, it, it always looks a little funny to me. Like, like, but more power to them. But see, with Ron Perlman, he just has, like, such a, a ridiculous, like, over-the-top cartoon face in a good way. Like, it serves him very well as a character actor. And obviously for this part... Um, <laughs> right, like I love, I love his bit part in Pacific Rim. It's just something about, like, yeah, he did with the beard and the giant sunglasses and his giant creepy smile. <laughs> I need to watch Pacific Rim. Oh, we're going to. Yes. If I have anything to say about it, yes. Okay, okay. so well, that's all I've got to say about Guillermo del Toro's crimson chin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> If you guys have any other thoughts, thank you. I've been holding on to that for the last two minutes. (laughs) No, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts that come up as we continue our discussion. But but for now, we can we can take a break. Uh, Justin, movie good. I really enjoy movie. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, uh, if you're if you're into comics at all, check out at least the first few uh, Hellboy stories. they're they're great and the art is fantastic and yeah i just i dig this movie's whole thing flaws and all yeah that's definitely fair it's a pretty pretty cool little movie um all right so we will see you guys after the break for the shape of water i don't know what that was okay (laughs) Hey everyone! Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. All right, we are back from the break, and we are here to talk about the shape of water. Square, circle, triangle. Water will uh, take on the shape of its whatever container it is in. Ooh, that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> shut up, nerd. I'm shutting it out. It seems, it seems thematically resonant in a way I can't quite put Look, a finger on. If Andy Dwyer knows that, okay, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, uh. no it it is so so uh representative of the theme in an unspeakable way i mean there's a reason why the movie is bookended with a poem with that it. poem yeah <laughs> love a movie bookended with a poem okay. i can't think of many at the moment but I sure so do this love movie it. this movie i love this movie yeah um, it's a good fucking movie. About two years ago, first off, um, Apollo has a new squeaky toy, so if there's occasionally <laughs> a squeak in the audio, it, it's him having a good time chewing on his ball. Yep. Um, <laughs> Our show mascot the... is interfering with production, but it's fine. <laughs> um, 
a couple years ago, I was at my parents' house, and they were watching movies on cable TV because they're madmen and they just do that. Um, Shape of Water was on, and I sat down on the couch, and I ended up sitting there for, like, 45 minutes, like, whoa, I love this. And then I, Walmart was having a crazy movie (laughs) sale, and I saw The Shape of Water, and I bought it. And I was like, Stephanie, let's watch Shape of Water. And I, was, I watched it, and I was like, that was awesome. And then I asked my parents about it the, uh, a couple days later, and my parents' response was, huh? Oh, yeah, that movie was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... Uh, what? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm reduced to... to, to... It's a pre-verbal scene. She's, she's, she's damn near monosyllabic. I don't see how anyone could not uh, see the scene where everything goes black and white and they're singing and dancing together. The dance scene. And just look at what's happening on screen and not go, this is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know, we were watching it this time and when the dance scene starts, I was like, God bless Guillermo del Toro for doing I this. I know. There are not many directors in Hollywood today who, who would give us something like that. Like, no. <laughs> but Guillermo del Toro did that for us. <laughs> yeah, the way that... <laughs> Kill no shade to your parents. Deadass, but like, the way that your parents watch movies is the way that I get annoyed when people watch movies a lot of the time. And it's definitely not just your parents. That's just kind of representative of it. It's like when people watch a movie... And they somehow, it's like that meme of something going over someone's head and they only see the thing that's right in front of them. And they're like, what? A movie about a lady who wants to fuck a fish man? And everything else about this movie that is so good just goes right, like, this right over their head. This movie has things <laughs> to say. I, the, the original creature from the black lagoon was like a metaphor for how white people were afraid that not white people were going to start stealing their women uh I mean, and, yeah pretty much and that shape is... of water basically responds with well what if the woman wants it yeah <laughs> it, it definitely retouches on that theme which is good it shows that Guillermo del Toro really understood the the cultural anxieties kind of manifesting in that original film and was like let's talk about that <laughs> and because i mean michael shannon's character is basically just the embodiment of that whole concept of i am a white american man in the 50s who or 60s whatever 1960 on the dot so either one works for me <laughs> who is mortally terrified of losing any shred of masculinity that he has managed to claw to his bosom. (laughs) Right. He can't be injured by anything. He can't uh, be vulnerable. He can't drive the wrong color car. He can't have his car be damaged. It's tragic, honestly. It's a little sad. Wash his hands twice and he chooses to wash his hands before going to the bathroom. That's the worst thing he does in this movie. (laughs) I know. I know. He was like, what? To wash his hands before. He washes his hands with his, or he pees with his hands on his hips. So. He still has to touch the handle to flush it. And then he pops candy into his mouth immediately. 
that scene. Yeah, but it was oh it was 1960. God. This was be- this was well before germ theory, right? Uh, well, I don't <laughs> I'm joking. Germs. I'm joking. Oh, okay. Germ theory okay. was well established yeah, by that okay. point. Germs didn't exist. Cigarettes were good for you. <laughs> oh my. God. Yep, and your doctor said you should eat more butter because it lubricates your arteries. Jesus Christ. Hell yeah. Doctors had your favorite cigarettes. Uh, um, cigarette brand most recommended. Nine out of ten doctors. Ask your doctor yeah. which brand is right for you. Oh my god. No, it, <laughs> Only it's... Americans will get that joke. Man, if it wasn't for the <laughs> rampant racism and homophobia. <laughs> what a time. Oh my god. That's, yeah. It was the time for sure. Well, then this movie touches on everything. Oh yeah, yeah. We get a little, little, little scoop of everything. You in got there. racism. Oh, you yeah. got sexism. Yeah, yeah. You got homophobia. Yeah. There's probably some other things. Yeah. Oh, xenophobia because the Russians. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, and that's kind of I don't know. We might as well get into like that's one thing I like about the movie is that. I feel like a lot of uh, movies that bend more towards sci-fi horror, like genre, whatever tend to like if they have a creature or a monster who is representative of some kind of persecuted other it's usually just about that and so it'll be like these aliens are representative of indigenous people and it's like okay um but this one they actually do have people from those groups so it's like it's all part of the same whole they're just like you know the uh, you see yeah. the oppression uh, and disabled people like the protagonist is disabled and like yeah, Guillermo del Toro really made this movie for everyone. He said this one's not just for the monster fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for it's everybody. Everybody, man. Uh, right, and, and and so you see, it's all part of the same whole, and I think that's like kind of cool because it's kind of like while while we know that like oppression is an intersectional thing as we as we call it which means that like there are different forms of oppression and they intersect in different ways that are unique to each person who experiences them um but there is kind of a unifying whole and that all these different types of characters are othered in some way and they all experience that same kind of core oppression it literally did not occur to me until this conversation that like the villain is a stereotypical white man in 1960 and all of the heroes are some sort of other right right or or not other or some sort of marginalized group right even the seemingly for all we know heterosexual white man the russian guy is still othered in that he's he, like he's still a russian right he's, he's still, still a, a dirty national, commie right and so he's still very much hated during this this era um so yeah, I really like that. Um, and they all band together to defeat the white man, <laughs> as they should. I really love, it. I love it. I do. Yes, yeah, so we love to see it. Um, yeah. Um, and I mean, it's very easy to see some of it as a little cartoony. Like Michael Shannon's character is is cartoony in a scary way. Like obviously, like not in a fun he, he, way. Once like, again, doing a fantastic job. Oh yeah. I love michael shannon michael shannon <laughs> twitter he always understands the assignment <laughs> <laughs> yes no i agree he's he's so scary and yet you always kind of like seeing him on screen you're always like do more and say more things like, you're because, like god you're so despicable because <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah he's just so charismatic even while he's playing like the worst person you ever met Man, um uh, which yeah he's really good the 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 casual racism he throws oh, out. Oh God, I know. Is mm-hmm. distressing. Uh, it's crazy. 
they just pile it on with that man oh my the part where he's talking about he's like do you think god looks like that no he looks like me maybe even like you to well, zelda and he's maybe- like well probably more like me <laughs> oh, no. guillermo be he writing some be- dialogue <laughs> he really or whoever i actually don't know who wrote this. Uh, I'm, screenplay I'm sure by guillermo del toro it. and vanessa taylor Okay, good to those people. They did a great job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so fucking cringe. And it's like, it's like part of me wants to... Squeaky. <laughs> part of me wants to say, like, this is so over the top. But on the other hand, you're like, well... And then you think about maybe certain people you've known in your life yeah. and you're like eh, I, I you're like picture gee, I, them saying something like this yeah especially uh 80 years ago oh cry yeah it, it, 80? 80 60 yeah 60 years ago only 60 man uh hey i f- i failed three different college math classes oh so God, don't say that on air <laughs> i grew up around a lot of conservatives who watched a lot of fox news i've heard this kind of terrible awful rhetoric my entire fucking life yes and it's I mean, that's another reason this character works for me so well is not just because he he's representative of all these societal ills, but because he, well, if you're someone like us who has grown up around a certain type of person, he feels like (laughs) your squeaking is undermining my serious point. He feels like someone that you could unfortunately have met and spent a lot of time around. You know, we're really only saying, like, uh, having to convince people that this character is believable if they're, like, uh, cis, straight, and white somewhere up north, maybe. Anyone who is part of any sort of marginalized group has to deal with someone like this motherfucker at at least once a week. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, I don't know, like, even even in smaller ways, like... This movie is so validating to me as someone who, as a kid, was always trying to to save every little animal and stuff that I came across and never wanted people to squish a bug and, like, or I never wanted them to hurt a snake. It, just, like, the way people talk about, like, right. the creature and stuff this, was, like, that shit hurted because people said things like that to me. This movie is for all the kids who objected vehemently while a family member told you it was fine while they beheaded a snake. Oh, Christ. Yeah, and it, 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 I wish I could remember exact lines, but so much of it felt like that. They were just like, oh, well, it's just an animal. Like, oh, why do you care? Like, um, oh, and the, the way they talked to the scientist guy, oh, so much. So, see, <laughs> this is another part of why this movie, like, hits me on a different level because it's so relatable. Like, not even just as, like, someone. Who was marginalized in some way, which, you know, we have been, but also just as someone who, like, has a basic appreciation for science or something nebulous like that. Someone who has a basic appreciation for knowledge or maybe a little bit of, like, basic compassion for the world around us. like For other living things. Yeah. Like, just, like, and it's not just Michael Shannon's character. It's, like, a lot of, like... That's the point of him, is he's not just an outlier. He's not just some crazy evil dude. He's empowered by the system. Mm. It's like... <laughs> here we go again. It's the system that's wrong. But it is. It, it's 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 the way they all talk to him. And they're just like, oh, well, 
you're just a scientist. What do you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And the, the system yeah. is even so bad that when he slips up one time, the entire oh, yeah. system is going to end his life, basically. <laughs> yeah, when the fucking general dude is talking to him and I'm like, why do you hate Michael Shannon so much? Isn't he everything that you should, like, want to prop up? The machine doesn't like, care about enough. you, even if you're the best white man who's ever white man. Keep that in <laughs> mind. <laughs> exactly. The machine is designed to crush you if you don't serve its ends, so why are you still serving it, you know? Um, anyways, so, <laughs> so I, I, really, I really like the villainy in this movie. We're, it feels very I, true. At some point I had a thought about the, um, so my, Michael Shannon has a thing for Eliza and, uh, sexually harasses her, um, and obviously wants to, uh, get with her, um, and he hates the fish man, um, because one, to him, he's just a beast, and two, he bit off his freaking fingers, and now he has to live with that every day um, as they slowly turn gangrenous. Um, oh, but and he then, the pus out of them. That, and then, <laughs> the woman who he wants to get with denies him and chooses the thing that he hates. <gasps> love that. <laughs> I love when that happens. <laughs> but see, and, but see, it's like. The fact that he is attracted to her feels, unlike some movies like this, I feel like a lot of times when there's a who is the monster and who is the man type of movie, there is that kind of triangle aspect, like, for reasons that we've discussed before. But in this one, it feels less like he already wanted her and more like he only started wanting her because he started to get this sense that she was something unattainable to him and that he was like, yo, what? No, wait. No, we can't have that. Here I so, was just assuming it was because she couldn't talk, and that uh, really appealed to him. Okay, well, that... A woman whose opinion you never have to hear? That's true. Oh, that scene where he's, where he's having sex with his wife, and she's, like, asking yeah. him to stop or slow down or whatever, and he puts yeah. his Because hand, his fingers are bleeding? Puts his bloody hand over her mouth, and then it cuts to Elisa, like... I was like, oh, man... <laughs> Oh, mm. themes mm. being conveyed by editing. I love it. <laughs> mm. You are no, you're right. You're right about that. I, I think. Okay, yes, I think it is maybe a little unclear because I, I didn't get the sense that he was always particularly attracted to her. I think that it more he kind of <laughs> he had an arc, <laughs> uh, lovely, of becoming oh attracted to her. As he began to see her as this thing that he first could possess and then couldn't possess. And that, like, kind of just escalated it for him. Mm. And, of course, when he gets around to be to knowing that she, you know, is in love with the asset, of course, that is uh, half angering for him. Half-brained uh, realization that I just had that might mean something, <laughs> might mean nothing. Uh, he can't have her. So he then goes to a car dealership to feel his need for something new, and he buys a car that is the same color as her work uniform. Oh. <laughs> R slash movie details. <laughs> Curious. Caleb likes to keep us to say something. We're no, no, I'm just say. thinking. Now watch me be misremembering the color of her work uniform. But <laughs> he associates that color with submission. Mm. Hmm. 
<laughs> something that he can control, something that he can command, something that is there to make him look good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that just hit me. Could be nothing. <laughs> Fascinating. Let's talk about Eliza and the Gilman. <laughs> the Gilman. That's Mr. The Gilman term. to That's you. The, it's the official term for the, the creature. Um, the scene where... So the the government agency determines that uh, their Michael Shannon determines to vivisect the asset. <laughs> this kills the asset. Um, <laughs> and, and Eliza wants to rescue him. And the scene where she is trying to convince Giles to help her. Oh, that's a good. And scene. he is having to say out loud everything that she is signing. Yep. What a good scene. Yep. And it goes on for so long. And that shot on her emoting while she's signing does not cut. Yeah, it really makes you feel and it. And when she starts saying, like, uh, he, he does not know what I lack. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. a... He sees me. Such a great little speech. It's so good. And I love the... um, I love that... Uh, okay, this is a two-part thought. I love that Eliza's subtitles for her signing are up near her hands. Mm -hmm. Now, we watched the movie with regular subtitles on, and I assumed that that might be a choice to have the subtitles up by her hands so you're actually looking at her and watching her sign. But I'm also realizing now that they are in the main movie itself. Yeah. And so they're probably just up there because that's where the audience is going to be looking. They're not going to be looking down at the bottom for subtitles. Yeah. Um, so it but could be still, both. Uh, subtitles in movies where they're like subtitles of someone speaking a different language are usually at the bottom. That's so. true. It, These it ones I think were meant to be more kinetic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so, and I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I love Eliza as a character. Yeah. No, like I love the characters character. in this movie, but I really, really like her. She doesn't feel like a blank slate the way it's easy for a protagonist to feel like in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels like a very, a very real character. Um, someone who, like, is lonely, has some friends, like, someone who has close friendships but is still lonely in, like, a particular way, which I think is something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, and also, I don't know, I like that she seems kind of, like, slightly older, like, not not that much older, but, like... Not ingenue. Right, she, right, she's not... She's clearly someone who has passed what we would generally consider in the 60s to be the age at which you usually settle down. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how old um, Miss God, what's her name? I am very sorry who, the to actress? the actress who did a very good S- job. Sally Hawkins. Yes. <laughs> the Sally Hawkins dance. Um, <laughs> and my khaki pants. I know. Such an American sounding name. Um, um, but she... I don't know. I th- she seems like she's maybe in her 30s or something. But anyways. Um, she is Yeah, 34. I don't know. She is. Oh, wow. Well. Okay. So at the time, she. Still would have been in her 40s. Yeah, wow. Um, no, that's, that's. I don't know. I really liked that because it. I don't know. And I liked how it didn't really seem to be like, huh, look at this lady who's still single at this age. But more like. She is lonely, but not in a way that we're supposed to see as pathetic. Just more in a way that we're supposed to kind of relate to, I guess, is how I would put it. Mm-hmm. Like, 
when you are, have your own life that and you're like self-sufficient but you're still kind of missing something that you're still trying to find mm-hmm. um i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, um so while we're on the topic of sally hawkins um i think she did a phenomenal job in this movie uh duh uh i love that she studied all the silent comedies um to like prepare for really? this movie oh she did uh and she is a fantastic uh physical actor oh my god yeah um, her physical acting is really and also good. a fact that i just learned thank you wikipedia apparently uh del toro uh, wrote the script with her in mind and pitched the idea to her while he was drunk at the 2014 golden globes <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh I god it. i wish that were me i love that <laughs> The speed with which I would say yes, if Guillermo fucking del Toro was like, do you want to be in my next movie where you fall in love with a fish man? And I would be like, um, yeah, where uh, do I sign? <laughs> all he has to say is, do you want to? And I'd be like, yep. Okay, yes. yes <laughs> yep, t- yep, definitely. Don't even finish your sentence. Where are we I'm going? What are we doing? I'm taking into account the, pit- the pitch part. I just really want to know what he said to her to pitch it. <laughs> would you like to fuck a fish? <laughs> I'll explain more tomorrow. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, you do a great year with Toro. I assume. I was like looking at like shape of water movie posters on ebay and when justin drops that and i (laughs) oh my god oh yes that's excellent yes that's a pitch that would definitely work on me i and i assume it must have worked on miss miss hawkins um no she's she's fantastic um and and the the whole cast is really fantastic. Like Octavia Spencer is really great as Zelda. I don't know the name of the guy who plays Giles, but he's really good. Uh, Richard Jenkins. Um, and yeah. also just another quick fact that I learned: uh, the part was originally written with Ian McKellen in mind. Ooh, which would have been really cool too. Would have been cool. Um, and Ian McKellen has range game. like crazy. Um, but I really yeah. like uh richard jenkins take on the character like i, no, I he was really good yeah yes absolutely yes and i liked he he, he was a a, a non stereotypical gay friend <laughs> uh, mm. i liked that they made him older because i don't know that was an that was an interesting take too um, um was that yeah uh michael stolberg stolberg don't know how to say your last name my dude uh uh dimitri the russian uh he it was great to see him and michael shannon together again um boardwalk oh. empire is one of my favorite hbo shows so seeing them like, oh are they both in that yeah um i was and gonna say like, i want to great show falls apart in the last season like all hbo shows so. oh no no <laughs> worth a watch uh, the name michael stolberg sounds familiar to me but i don't know from what um no yeah that he was really good too um Oh gosh! Oh, I'm trying to think. I have so I have so many thoughts about this movie, uh, and, and I don't know how to. How to it's good movie. That. Uh, it's good movie. Would you say it's a tale as old as time? A song really as old would. as rhyme. Beauty in the fish. 
Stop. I'm done. I'm sorry. Enough. Justin, you're not allowed to say the F word anymore. We're taking away your F word privileges. That's a four letter word, Justin. Um, yes. Um, I I also really like, while we're talking about actors, I really like Doug Jones' physical acting as Mr. Gilman. Um, <laughs> Mr. Gilmore was my father. Please call me Fishman. Oh, I don't know. Um, Fishman. Yeah, Fish- <laughs> no, Fishman was my grandfather. <laughs> the point you were making. <laughs> the point. Um, okay, the point was that um, I don't know. I feel like his his physical acting was really good. Like it can be really difficult. I feel like to play a character like this, like to play a character like this as. A love interest. <laughs> like, that's challenging. Like, because, you know, you have to... For this particular take on this on this, this character, this uh, post-creature from the Black Lagoon, um, this evolved version of the creature of the Black Lagoon, you have to embody a lot of different things. Like, he has to be animalistic, yet strangely human. He has to be scary, yet also kind of funny and cute. And, you know, he has to be vulnerable, but he also has to be sexy and powerful. So, like, I don't know. I think he really fucking nailed it. I I don't know how the hell I would have done this. Like, (laughs) I'm like, how the hell do you do all those things at one time while under, like, 30 pounds of makeup? Like, how do you do that? I don't know. He, he does a really great job. And I don't know what kind of CGI and prosthetics they're using, but it looks really good. It looks so. great, yeah. It looks really fucking fresh. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is probably single-handedly keeping the monster practical effects makeup business in Yeah, because so much of business. it is CGI. And the other parts of it are Star Wars, I guess. But... <laughs> um, no, I, I, I really like what they did with him just like I don't know like I'm not really sure what he was I'm sure he was basing his movements on the creature from the Black Lagoon but I I've only seen that movie once and I'm gonna be honest I'm pretty wasted so (laughs) I don't remember that much of it um I remember being very bored by a lot of it the parts that didn't involve the creature I was like why am I here why are any of you here? Uh, but, but I don't know. I, it probably is inspired by that in some way. Just a lot less stiff, I guess. I'm gonna chalk that up to an evolution in prosthetics. Oh no, certainly, certainly. Um, the man uses the practicals even in movies that you don't even really need it. I, I don't know, Stephanie. I know you never saw it, Caleb. Did you ever see Mama? I have not seen it. Uh, which, I want to see it. Which he didn't actually direct. I was mistaken on that. Um, he, he was involved with in some way, right? Believe. But even yeah. in Mama, where you could have just had a, an actress in heavy makeup playing the role, the creature in Mama is a puppet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a very convincing, terrifying demon woman puppet. That's really cool. What? I, I need to see that. I need to see that. It's pretty good. I, I, I've, I've heard about it, and it seems like it has the kind of That's story slash thematic stuff going on that I would 
that I would very much like to see. Oh, yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Um, come on, Doug Jones had to be, had to have been involved in that in some way. <laughs> like, he, doing the mocap or something. That, that tall, lanky man. There is no way he was not involved with that. Um, I could be wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug no, Jones awesome. has worked on Guillermo del Toro in Mimic, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, The Strain, Crimson Peak, and The Shape of Water. So they're best friends. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, yeah, no, but but he, he does an excellent job. And I I don't know. I, I really like the fact that these two characters have so much chemistry together, even though they don't really talk ever. Like, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they they just have pure animalistic physical chemistry. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yes, no, I I, I really like that. And uh, oh gosh, Jesus, what all happened? What so many things happen? Um, I'm I'm trying to think. Of, like, there's so many different little subplots, and like, oh, the Russians are involved for some reason, and like. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Um, yeah, so they 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 bust him out of they they bust him out from the feds, um, and he stays in their house for a little bit, which is fun, except for when he eats a cat. Oh, don't care for that so much. That's my that's my one that's my one point against the movie is that it made me watch someone hold a headless cat corpse that he just devoured, and also. I've heard people say that, like, oh, the relationship's not believable. He ate the cat, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> Though I will say, it does feel like ni- uh, nothing to 90 with the sex scene being so close in relationship <laughs> to the cat eating scene. Don't have sex with the man who murders cats. Uh, Giles but, but yes. uh, handed that with, uh, with, with Grace. Like a champ. He did. It's, I think... I would have preferred if the cat eating was not there because yeah. it makes me really sad. But I think the point of it is that it's showing that he cannot stay there. Like, they can't exist in that world together because it's not made for them and it's not going to to be kind to them because he's just from something fundamentally different. And ultimately, she is different, too, and, and she can't stay there. Um, and she wants to be where he is. And... Uh, yeah like when they flood the bathroom i'm always kind of like would that work but like good for them at the same time it sounds like a job for the mythbusters if they were still around <laughs> yeah please the mythbusters need to be like okay so we're gonna test adam this, savage would be like myth- okay i'm gonna call my good buddy guillermo i'm gonna ask him if they actually did it they probably didn't that water flooding out looks really cgi uh, can we um, flood a bathroom to have sex with a fish man um, <laughs> that has to be part of it. it exactly like Jamie that. has to be the fish man. He has to put on a mask or something. <laughs> oh. um, he is a master diver. There you go. There you go. Uh, um, as someone who recently went through a hurricane, no towels do not stop large amounts oh of water. My God. So it would oh not no. work. <laughs> See, if this movie was set in Florida, it would be easy because you would just go to the beach. Um, 
and then you wouldn't have to flood your bathroom. You would just yeah, be Yeah, but like, then you have to get your fish man to and from the beach. That's true. Stick him in a trench coat and a top hat. Oh my god. It was the 60s. Everybody wore a trench coat and a <laughs> there hat you go. out. You know? Well, could they have just gone to a pool? Like, I feel like there would have been public pools, but then you don't uh, yeah, I don't know. I, won't, I don't want to know what effect chlorine would have on him. Yeah, That's and it's got to be salt true. water. Uh, take him on a cruise ship. They have saltwater pools there. There you go. Go on a cruise with your fish, man. My parents' backyard has a saltwater pool. Oh my god, they could do it in Caleb's <laughs> parents' backyard. What a champ. And then they would look out the window and be like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're just going to be like, huh, that was kind of weird. It just goes back to whatever they're doing. Oh my god. Uh, yes. But, they, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but good, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Um, uh, I really like this movie. There's a reason it won Best Picture. Yeah, good. Um, good for my. Every man. time I remember it won Best Picture, I am like, wow, how the hell did that happen? Right. <laughs> Whose dick did they suck? Uh, like, well, geez. yeah, not in like a, it doesn't deserve it, but in like a how? Why did the Academy? Yeah. How did the Academy? Well, it. I think that it. That's the thing, like, we keep saying, like, we keep saying, like, it's weird or whatever, but it's really not that weird. It's not that inaccessible. Like, to me, it's a very accessible story. It's not, like, it's super, it's not difficult to understand. It's easy to understand what's going on. It has exactly one, like, I'm gonna say contrivance because I can't think of a better word or the actual word. It has, like, one thing it asks you to accept. Right! That's a pretty low barrier to entry. And, and the... The, the concept, the concept of, of, of monster fucking is not <laughs> that it's foreign not that, to it's our not culture. That like it's main monster fucking is mainstream it's now. Okay, pretty mainstream. <laughs> as long as the monster looks even vaguely human, which which Mr. Gilman does, it it's not that difficult to understand. And honestly, I feel like people who are acting like it's super weird and out there are doing a bit, and they need to stop because it's not a funny bit. <laughs> Like it, we, you know exactly what's going on. You know it's not weird, and you need to stop. Like if <laughs> you can stop. accept Beauty and the Beast, this is just a more mature telling of that story. Right, <laughs> right. It's people. Mm, people get on my nerves, but but people, you know, people also. That this is just just the slightly more benign version of why would you care about that thing? It's just a fish man. Why would you care if I electrocuted well, about Android he's, or about Vision? He's not a human. Yeah, he's a toaster. LOL. I'm incapable of seeing humanity in anything that doesn't look exactly like me. Her <laughs> her. Like, I have no patience with that anymore. Stop it. <laughs> Uh. Anyways, fortunately, that's that. Fortunately, that this movie did not go without a claim. Sorry, I just bumped the microphone. Huh. Um, Stephanie is emoting today. <laughs> I'm I'm fucking emoting because I will I will cut a bitch. I really will. <laughs> so will like, the fish man. Yeah. So so and so he does, and so he should. That is his right. <laughs> no, he. I think he earned that. He fucking earned that. Uh, normally I'm not like, oh yeah, murder's a bad guy, but that one I'm just like... Stephanie's willing to make an exception in this case. I'm willing to make an exception, but it's not like he did it just because he felt it was like it. such he a cute look for him. Shot- <laughs> Love that journey for him. Uh, <laughs> he shot you, them, okay? He, my man's earned that. Uh, he earned that. By the way, uh, this... Th- <laughs> 
the climax of this film has one of the most satisfying, I'm going to call it a bonk, uh, in film history, and that yeah. is when Giles hits, <laughs> bonk. hits Michael bonk. Shannon. <laughs> Dude, it's just like, blood goes, bip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and I'm like, how is my man still, like, walking around? Like, how is he still talking? Uh, I also love now. that his last lines are delivered with such, like, He's not shocked. He's not terrified. It's just like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Just the, oh, you are a god. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know. I, I Sometimes that line's still kind of, I'm like, huh, about that. Because I feel like a character like that would not say that. Like, I, I like that he says it because it feels cool and satisfying. But I'm like, a guy with his head that far up his ass, would he ever say that? Right, he would never admit it. I feel like he wouldn't. I feel like he would be like, you're even more of a monster than I thought you were or something. Like, I don't know. Some fuck shit. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But, but it is a cool moment. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I really like it. When but do I'm we get like, uh, this when? fish man in the MCU? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, rumors of Namor. You know. Give me. Uh, I like him so much more than I like Namor. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there's yeah. literally nothing likable about Namor. <laughs> yeah, I. It's well, I don't know. I feel like a character like 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 Abe Sabian could be in the MCU. Just just it would have to be verbal. Maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe a nonverbal fishman could be. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a character <laughs> where, I like. Where are we a lot trying to push this man. this poor movie into the MCU? We don't need to do <laughs> that too. <laughs> that could be really cool though. I'm I'm don't get me wrong, I'm definitely down for more monster fucking in the MCU. We've already got some some robot fucking we could use some monster fucking as well. That's that's my professional opinion. And that's really the takeaway from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is because because sometimes someone who is othered by society is in the best position to understand you as someone else who is othered by society or something. And also, this movie is about how marginalized people, othered people, should stick together and should not be like, "No, I gotta look out for myself," because that's what the man wants you to think. The man wants you to be like, no, I as a insert marginalized identity here cannot cannot stick my neck out because I have to like be careful because I have to stay in line. But that's what they want you to think. And what you should do is you should all band together to save the fish man, <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> because then the man can't stop you. And that is the lesson. <laughs> that is the central insipid <laughs> metaphor <laughs> of these monster fucking movies you devour. <laughs> there it is. I worked in a community yeah, reference. We, got it. Uh, we, got we it. did it. We did it, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We can close out the episode now. What are your thoughts on Guillermo del Toro as a filmmaker? Uh, just to wrap things up here. Amazing, show stopping, spectacular. Unstoppable. <laughs> Whatever that Lady Gaga gif is. <laughs> um, he clearly has a grasp of human emotion that many other filmmakers either don't have or just fail to replicate on screen. Mm -hmm. um, 
his movies are unafraid to be emotional and grapple with emotion. Um, I don't remember if I said this last week or if it was just something I've been thinking a lot about recently. Pacific Rim manages to make me care about the humans and most of the movie is the human scenes and I care about them and they're fun and interesting sequences and they're well written and Gareth Edwards Godzilla and every single Godzilla movie since then has had me thinking oh dear god we're back to the fucking people again like I don't know that's the thing like even when people are talking about like Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever the fuck it's called like it the and they were all like, the whole big running joke is no one cares about the human story. It's like, that's fine. But I feel like there was a way to make people right. care about the human like, story. That's it's not, not way, impossible. That's not the way it has to be. Right. That's just what we've come to settle for the because these movies have had really shitty, boring human storylines. Trust me, if we end up doing Pacific Rim paired with any of the new Godzilla franchise, going, I have oh, some thoughts. It's already on the list. <laughs> It's already on the list. We're oh, doing Pacific nice. Rim paired with Godzilla because they only came out a year apart. Oh, cool. Okay. There we that go. That works for me. Um, the Return yeah. of the Kaiju film. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, I love. I like it. Okay. Yes. That. Right. And and I've only seen Pacific Rim once, but I, I do remember it. I am definitely not the target audience for Kaiju movies. Like, extremely <laughs> not. But I did enjoy Pacific Rim because I felt like it was just a good movie. And I I like to think... <laughs> I like to think that I am someone who can enjoy a good movie even if I'm not the target audience for it. Yes. Um, but yeah, Guillermo del Toro, uh, having seen a few more of his, his other movies and like some of his more horror-adjacent movies... Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like he very much appeals to, to me as a filmmaker because he seems like someone who, oh gosh, I don't even know how to put it, like, has so much appreciation for, like, the dark and the grotesque, but in a way that always feels, like, very, very... Attempting to understand it? Yeah, that feels very compassionate and very hopeful in a way, like, um, it... <sighs> I feel like while you are often asked to be scared and asked to be horrified, like, it's never in a way that is, like, feels deliberately othering, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the way that some horror movies can have kind of that angle, you know, whether problematic or not, you know, know, some horror movies are like, uh, yeah, we get it, like, it's a metaphor, but like, um, but with, I don't know, with his movies, it's like, while you are often, like, grossed out or scared or horrified or whatever it's it's in a way that is still causing you to to think and to feel yeah he he manages to do metaphor that's fairly obvious but isn't beating you over the head he manages to do intense emotion without feeling saccharine there's just something about his ability to deftly yes and and, and to do dark and sad in a way that doesn't feel depressing like i think of pan's labyrinth which i don't know if we'll ever talk about on here because i feel like it might be a bit much for kayla but it is a really good movie maybe justin and i will talk about it at some point um and i won't spoil the ending but it's a pretty like fucking like dark ending but it still manages to feel not as dark as it could? Does that make sense? It's, it's hard for me of, to, to say without spoiling it. 
Now, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think he, the humanity that he brings to his films uh, is astounding. Um, he yeah. has such a unique eye and vision that is very refreshing every time I see one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think with this being called Autour April, uh, he fits the bill 100%. I am always down for one of his projects i i legitimately uh think he is one of the best filmmakers we have working right now uh and i just love the man um and if you guys have no more thoughts i do have a quote from him that i would like to close it out with before we do all of our tags absolutely i have nothing important to say <laughs> okay. yeah i know how that feels about this film del toro said This movie is a healing movie for me. For nine movies, I rephrased the fears of my childhood, the dreams of my childhood, and this is the first time I speak as an adult, about something that worries me as an adult. I speak about trust, otherness, sex, love, and where we're going. These are not concerns that I had when I was nine or seven. And my man, did you do a good job. (laughs) That's fucking, that's fucking, yeah, I, that's relatable. I, I don't, I, I can't quite put it to words, but yeah, that makes sense. And that's so cool that he even, like, is conscious of, like, kind of the journey he's made, like, from, from childhood to adulthood, just, like, as a filmmaker. Um, you know, films that he's made as an adult, but, like, processing the journey from childhood to an adult, to adulthood, which is what so many films are about. Like, that's... That's really cool. And now, uh, God bless this man. Now that he is on the other side of this journey, give him Hellboy 3. <laughs> Forget and the also, reboot happened. <laughs> and yeah. also give him At the Mountains of Madness. <laughs> oh, what? He was supposed to... Uh, he had a whole like screenplay and everything planned for a... Um, oh, shit. What's his name? Who's the author? Lovecraft. Really racist. Lovecraft. Yeah, Lovecraft. Oh, <laughs> love God, to see yeah. some Guillermo del Toro Lovecraft. Give del Toro all of Lovecraft's work and let him do it and make it so unproblematic. Just so no, he was going to adapt at <laughs> yeah. the Mountains of Madness. It got canceled in like when it was in like pre-production. Wow. Uh, that would have been beautiful. Oh. Would have been beautiful. Mm. That's I I <laughs> whatever I I look forward to seeing whatever my man's comes out with next. All right. Are okay. we ready to sign off, gents? Yep. My name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. My name's Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob. My name's Justin. You can find me on most social media at Blame It On Butler, and you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right. Good night, everybody. Stay fucking those monsters. <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode you can find us online on twitter and instagram at sounds familiar if you'd like to get in contact with us drop us a line at sounds familiar at gmail.com we'd like to thank our friend chelsea for our logo Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar. <laughs>